to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We are here to review the Black Album. Introducing the panel, Toe Jam. It's time to do the grind. Player. Serve it up, Frankie. And Captain. Welcome to the Funk Bible. The New Testament. (laughs) And it's MC in the place. Does he actually say that in the album somewhere? Yep. Yeah, at the start. He does. Whereabouts? Right Right at the the start. Oh, I've never, I've never figured out. What, I never figured out what he said. And all you others say, "Hell yeah, hell, hell yeah!" yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fantastic. Back again yeah. at the virtual table, ready to talk about a strange little release in the Prince discography. It is, of course, the Black Album, or as I like to call it, the Peach and Black Album. <laughs> uh, a little clue to our listeners, we are the Peach and Black Podcast, and if you have a look at your CD or vinyl versions of the 1994 re-release of the Black Album, you'll notice the colour scheme of the album is very similar to the name of our little show. But that aside, let's go straight into the music. For anyone that doesn't know the history about the Black Album, look it up. just go to Prince Vault <laughs> or uh, Wikipedia or... Or 8,000 other different websites on the internet. And you'll read all sorts of weird and wonderful, half-factual pieces of information <laughs> yeah. about We're not release. even going to go there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. But let's just say that this was intended to be released in late 1987. Things happened. It wasn't released officially until 1994. Until someone offered him a big fat check and he goes, okay, I'll release it. (laughs) (laughs) So 1994, it officially came out. It's like, um, hmm, how am I going to get out of this contract? I've got to deliver all these albums. Hmm, I know. I'll release an album that everyone already has. (laughs) Make them pay uh, that's, for that's it. That's too cynical. Way too cynical of me. Well, it, it is a little bit cynical because I'm looking at my at my 94 pristine copy of the Black Album on CD, and it makes me very, very warm and gooey inside just looking at all those peach and black colors on there. So it's it's a fantastic <laughs> little release, the legendary Black Album limited edition by no name, I mean by Prince. Okay, let's get straight into the music because we've never spoken about this really on the Peach and Black show. Uh, not even in passing, I don't think. So let's get into it, and let's start with track number one on this mysterious release, The Black Album, a.k.a. The Funk Bible by Prince. It is, of course, Le Grind. Okay, take it away, player. Uh, this is a good start to the album. But it's just a stretched out jam. It doesn't really vary from the main groove. There's no real memorable lead line that I can distinguish. And that's not to say that it's a bad song, because it's not. But it does lack a certain depth. Really, this is just a dance called the Lagrind, kind of like the Horny Pony. In fact, there's a pony reference in this as well. So, yeah, the horns are cool. But they're a bit buried in the mix for them to stand out. You know, it's kind of busy. There's just a lot going on. 
yeah, there's nothing to single out as a standout. It's kind of like his 90s material and stuff. It's just like mix-wise, it's kind of a bit muddled in there. But it's yeah, it's just a big long groove. It's a cool way to start the album. So it's good for this project. All right, all right, Tojem. This is a funky classic 87 track. I mean, you know, it starts off with that classic cold Lindrum sound with some like sort of squelching sound that's going along. And he's got that real deep throat Rainbow Children voice going on, which I've never really deciphered what he said. But now I know. That's pretty cool. Like Play said, it's just a one chord jam all the way through. It's a dance song. It's just all his tricks. Like there's all these, everything's going on all the time. And there's all these, he's, he's got everything. He's got some like beatboxing. He's got some solos. He's got some hidden bits. He's got little jokes. And it's like, it's the whole plethora of Prince tricks in this song, uh, which is really cool. It, it reminds me a lot of Party Man, uh, which is a, a year or two later, I guess. Uh, there's a there's a little piano bit that's really similar to the piano bit in Party Man. I think oh, these are you know this is just this is a Prince party jam. It's it's funky for that reason, and it just builds and builds up to chaos. And there's little arrangement tricks and there's little this and that. And I could go on and list them all, but you know you get the idea. It goes to the four chord occasionally, real James Brown sort of thing. It just hangs on that four chord. Little horn stabs all the way through. I think there's some synth horns in there too. I love. There's a couple of little references to England in this album, and the first one in this one is um. Uh, what is it? London, what does Bing Bed say? Time to do the grind. And it's got this real cheesy English accent. I think it's hilarious. I love that, yeah. I remember when I was in England, and I used to go to these Prince fan meetups. Like, all the English people love that lyric for that reason. And better we say it. Uh, <laughs> and I love, you know, the, again, the lyrics are the same. It's all these little jokes and stuff. And I love that lyric that we just reference, where it's like, you know, all the boys, all the girls, and all you others say, hell yeah. And it's like, you know, this is Prince when he was at his, perhaps his most, uh, what's the word? Androgynous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, nowadays it'd probably be, and all you others, you're not the, coming to get, heaven with get me. Get the hell yeah. out. <laughs> get off the yeah. boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that sort of electric sampled ride cymbal through, uh, towards the end. I'm not a big fan of that. It pops up a few times in the album. It's a bit annoying, that sound. I agree with player that the mix, a lot of these songs I listen to, I think, oh man, I wish I could mix this because I always find the bass is too soft and this something else is too loud. And yeah, but I won't complain too much about that. It's a funky intro. And it's it's really a good summary of the album as well, a big party jam. Yeah, I mean this is this is typical late eighties Prince, really. I mean it's typical production of of the era. It's got a really cool lead horn line, some nice bass thumps, and just really nice bass work. I agree with you, Tojem, that the bass doesn't come through the mix enough. Um, I have to generally play with my equalizer on my MP3 player or when I'm listening on on disc. Unfortunately, MC doesn't have this on vinyl yet, but I am waiting to get my hands on a peach-colored version, so uh, stay tuned. But back back to the track. I mean, this is it's a killer dance floor track. There's a bit of kind of, not quite boogie-woogie, but there's some jazzy piano bits, um, some call-and-response cha- chants that are cool, double-time claps. Again, really part of that era. It's just a funky groove. Like Player said, it, it goes on for a bit long. I don't mind it. I think this whole album is it's dedicated to the funk and it's dedicated to the groove and to getting down, if you get my drift. So, look, it's a very playful song, a definite party feel. Uh, I love the little um, references to London and the Brits and also some references to the French and undoubtedly uh, Paris of, of the day. Yeah, this is really, really cool. Predominantly a one-man band performance, as most of the songs on this album are. And... Really, it's a killer opening. And recently, you know, we've all been listening to this album. I'll say more about this later, but I slept on this track and on, on a few other songs on this release 
this is some of the best funk he's, he's done, I think. Captain. How could you sleep on this track? That is a crime. <laughs> I know. The first time I heard this, I knew. <laughs> this is not a track you can forget about. We usually talk too long about the, the you know, the first song when we do these reviews. But that's usually because the first song is the best song on the album. And it is here. This is the best song on this album. And it's the first one. And mm. here we go. It's a great intro. It's just straight into the funk. The bass lines are unbelievably great on this track. You, 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 like you said, you've got to crank the bass. But you've got these really melodic bass lines in the bridge and the chorus. And then there's like this funk slapping in the verses. There's a really cool slap bass solo at uh, 6.03. Listen to that. That's great. Horns are amazing. It's Eric Leeds, Atlanta Bliss. They just kill it, as usual. It's, you know, it's not an 87. What do you expect? The electric guitar on this is just crazy. But again, you want to mix it because the the guitar is mixed way too low in the background. It's there and it'll blow your head off if you just listen to that. But, oh, if we could, if we can get our hands on this, it'll just be guitar. Just cut everything else out. It'll just be the guitar. But this is six minutes and 44 seconds of classic Prince Funk. It builds and it breaks down and it builds again and it's perfect for its purpose that was a, you know, party, dance party track. There is some monster bass around the five minute mark and on a good system it will just shake your house apart if you crank it up. It's crazy. There is some classic lyrics in this. This funky beat's gonna show you, gonna show you what your hips are made for. That's, that's, that's excellent. That's great lyric. That's a classic late 80s lyric, actually. It reminds me uh-huh. of, like, pump up the jam, pump it up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> you got a big slamming at 5.22. You've got the Serve It Up Frankie lyrics in here at six minutes. And you've got that Don't Move sample from Madhouse at 4.38. Uh, it's always great to hear Bonnie, Bonnie Boyer in there. Love her voice. Not yet, um, Bonnie. That's, that's, how good is that? How good is that bit? It's hilarious. It's like, he probably looked over it and she was just about to start screaming her head off and he's like, just wait a second. <laughs> Not yet. And he just left it in. It's a classic. Oh, best song in the album. There you go. This this kind of song, I think I said this when we did the Batman review for obvious reasons, but like this kind of song, this is like Prince being the Joker. You know, he's, he's like, he's the mad, crazy, genius comic character of that time. Yeah, and, and before we go into track number two, Captain lyrics, lyrical commentary. This is incredible. This this is bound to be the greatest Peach and Black review ever. <laughs> There's a few. There's a few on this album. Yeah, but there there are some great there are some great ones. He must have been obsessed by ponies at this time because there's some really <laughs> funny stuff going on in this track about going up and down like a pony would. First of all. Then there's another classic line where he says, when I get naked, we'll see the real you. Am I getting through? And then someone in the background goes, grind. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, it's really uh, out there. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll go into some of the lyricism on this album uh, as, as, we review, as we review the work. But the thing that catches me the most is just his playfulness. Like, it's not overly sophisticated it's not overly thought out it it sounds like a lot of this stuff would have been ad-libbed in the studio either by prince or the band members i don't know if you guys get that feel but you just listen to it and i think that's why it feels so and sounds so fresh like le grind you know i've read reviews of this album and i think critics have been incredibly harsh over time saying oh it doesn't date well and captain believe me we're not going down we're not going down that path (laughs) (laughs) We're not going down that path, but I, for one, think that this one sounds 
as good today as it came out. I mean, I can understand that when it came out in 94, it, mm. it wouldn't have made much sense because of the kind of music that was out at the time. You know, it doesn't fit. But you have to remember, this is this is late 87, you know, and it fits perfectly into the other material that he was recording at that time. And I think it's, it's as timeless and as funky. So with that, let's go into track number two, Cindy C. Toe Jam. Uh, this is very, very similar to LeGrand for me. And if anything, it kind of reminds me like the way Space is similar to Come on the Come album in that it's kind of, it's very similar groove. And if anything, it's a little bit of a letdown because of that, because it's not as good as the first one, at least in the first couple of minutes, I think. It does, it does pick up. It does like, and just like the other one, it's a big long jam that has all the bells and whistles and all the tricks. And, you know, it's Prince doing as much of that stuff as he can. But yeah, it's just, for me, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't fit on the on, well on the album, but just where it's placed, it's it's kind of a bit of a letdown after La Grind. I, I always find that, but oh. but I reckon if, if it was placed if it was placed in a different spot, I think it'd be much better because you know we've, we've just had seven minutes of funk and now we've got another seven minutes of funk and he's he even says I've got two hundred more solos to go. It's like oh okay, <laughs> it's two organ solos is what he says, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. there's solos all through this. There's a yeah, yeah. there's Sheila E gets a timbali solo. There's a little tenor sax. Doubled solo, there's synth solos, there's, there's a cat rap, um, there's everything, solo-wise. But again, the, the humour is all the way through this song as well. The funniest bit, actually, one lyric I love is, don't all girls look the same, they don't, oh, what a shame. I think that's such a funny lyric, because like, <laughs> yeah. you know how everyone's like, oh, everyone's an individual, and everyone's different, and we're all special in our own way, but this is like, no, I want everyone to be sexy like her. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's such a play, on, you know, a play on the stereotype kind of thing. Mm. And this this is with Legrand as well. There's there's the sign of the times tour horn lines all through this album, and I ma- it makes me wonder were those two lines played on the tour that we're also familiar with sign of the times live? Did they pull those lines from these songs, or did these did they put those lines from the tour into these songs? I, I'd love to know that. Probably a bit of both. Whatever the answers is, it sure is funky. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, undoubtable. And this one, you've got the whole band doing background vocals. You hear Levi, you hear Bonnie, you hear Cat, you hear Sheila. They're all there. Um, and I love the stalker bit. It's like he's outside a window or something. And oh, what does he say? He asks the question like, don't you want to see me? And she's like, yes, no. Uh, you know, can't, doesn't know what to say. <laughs> I love that bit. And there's another classic bit, which Prince has done a few times, where he splits the vocalists. So this is at 2 minutes 30. So on the left side, you've got Prince doing all these like sort of come on lyrics. And on the right side, you've got this this lady just waffling on about a whole lot of stuff, and as if she's trying to ignore him or something. And I love that stuff; just really playful arrangement. So, yeah, it's, a, it's another funky song, Cindy C. There we go. Wow, I can't believe that you think you've had enough funk after the grind. I kind of, I, I kind of heard Captain in the background. I'm it's just the tempo. I think it's just it's the same tempo. Oh, and if it was a different tempo, I think it'd be better. I don't Not know the song, I, but if they had a different song with a different tempo at that point. I think. How, how do you beat a first? killer track like that with yeah. another killer track exactly. obviously exactly but for me this is the better song really okay. yeah 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 this is I'm maybe about, not okay I'm about 50 I'm about I don't know if it's the better five forty-five on this <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> cool, I don't know I if can't believe is... I didn't mention actually this has got a cool horn line the horn lines are really yeah cool. like that and then yeah James Brown like the way they kind of like swell in and out it's just brilliant I love listening to this. Whether it's a better song or not, I don't know, but it's it's a funkier song. To me, this is funkier than Legrine, and it's got 
it's got just more propulsive energy with that beat, that constant snare. It just gets me. And the party continues. That's basically my review. I mean, more the horn. The train keeps on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Chicka, 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 chicka. More horn funkiness. A relentless beat and groove. Eric on the funky, sexy sax. Incredibly playful <laughs> delivery. Incredible playful, incredibly playful lyricism. Uh, real nice keyboard stuff. Um, you know, two more organ solos to go. All sorts of different instrumental maneuvering. The percussion too, assuming Sheila's on, on the percussive effects and the timbales, etc. But the guitar work towards the end and you've got Prince, he's, he's doing some sound effects of his own. Let me put it that way. Listen close and you'll know exactly what I mean. There's a boom here and there's a, there's a bang there. Yeah. I mean, this, what, what else can you say about it? Obviously about Cindy Crawford. You know, one of the most famous supermodels at the time. But the lyrics here are incredible. I mean, super fine heifer, classic. <laughs> I'll give you seven sips of elderberry wine, classic. Yes. Won't you play with me? That's really good. Will you funk with me? I think he says. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. But, um. You know, the, the best lyric in this entire song. Yeah. Your furry melting thing awaits me. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best lyrics this guy has ever written in That's his life. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of of, of the of the uh, lyrics that Tojo mentioned though. And the but not only just the lyrics, it's the delivery. It's like don't all girls look the same, they don't. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> it's it's brilliant. It's unbelievable. You know, he's going to pay the usual fee. What's the matter? Don't you like me? Incredible stuff. Like, it's so hey, simple. Hey, one question with that line. Yeah. You could take that two ways, though. See, I actually did listen to some lyrics on this album. Wow. <laughs> I will pay the usual fee means, okay, she's a model, she gets a fee, or is it implying she's a whore and he's going to pay? Ah, Captain. Well, we'll just have to let our listeners explain that yeah, to us. I think I think it's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, you read into what you want. You want so. yeah. yeah. But the classic... Uh, there's a classic lines everywhere. Where'd you get that beauty mark? Maybe you and I should be undressing. <laughs> I mean, he goes from comp basically, you know, complimenting her on her facial appearance, and it's like, you want to get undressed, or now, or later? When, when do we do this? I'm yeah, sure you. He's got smack on the brain. Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> very good, Tojo. I love sexy reference. I'm sure you're quite intelligent, a wiz at maths and all, that, and shit, all that shit. But I'm a tad <laughs> more interested in flying, in flying your, your kite, kite tonight. <laughs> <laughs> It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Two organ solos to go. This is the funkiest, funkiest. That's two organ solos. I always thought it was two hundred solos. Nah, no, it's two organ solos to go, and then he starts the organ solos. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I've run out of superlatives. I don't know what else I could say. And and the rap is really cool too by Cat. I love the music is the key to set yourself free and all that kind of stuff. I know it's a little bit, you know, eighties pop rap, but I like it. It's cool. And uh, what else can you say? I mean, can you imagine the look on Cindy Crawford's face if she heard this song around that time? You know, he, he, she and, did. Yeah. I saw, um, like, this is the early 90s, and this is before I heard Black Album. There was, um, she was, Cindy Crawford was on Oprah. And, like, during the interview, this song came up, you know, and Oprah's like, oh, you know, like, Prince wrote a song about you, you know, how cool is that? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know. So, like, they did mention it, but it was like, you know, is Oprah listening to bootlegs or something? Like, how did they know about it? <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of cool. Well, like, they did reference it. I was talking to Kevin before the show, and, like, what, okay, what's a modern example of a song like this? Well, maybe Valentina. And, yeah, and exactly. You just think of the comparison between the two songs. I know they're slightly different songs. 
But Very there's different. an energy in this one that's it's just lacking in in something like Valentino. It's like he's like I was saying to Captain, this you can imagine him just bouncing around in the studio, just having all these brain ideas yeah. popping out at once. It's like Valentino. It's, it's too cool. It's like you know what I think. You know, I think Valent. Hey Valentina, or it is. It's called Valentina, isn't it? Valentina is. I hate to say like this is this word sounds too negative, but Valentina. It sounds lazy when you compare it to this. Like I think it sounds overthought. Like yeah, Valentina sounds over overthought, overdone, over. He's taking the he's taking the songwriting process too seriously on that song. Whereas here, it's like what you're saying, Tojem. He's like bouncing off the walls, going, "Oh, use this line, or use this line. Here's a horn line. Here's a bass line. Man, this yeah. song's funky and, and and cool and all of that." Yeah, you so, compare yeah. that to some new and songs, anything, and it's like a it's like when you photocopy something, and then you photocopy that, and then you photocopy that, and <laughs> it just gets like crappier and crappier quality every time. Yeah, eventually, you know, you can still read it, or you can see the outline, yeah. but it's nowhere near the same, you know, it's not the original thing, is it? Yeah, yeah it's a good yeah. it's a good comparison. So, alright. <laughs> so, so now <laughs> it's my go. Who's next? Alright, Captain, take it away. This song is just bloody excellent. Uh, it's great. The horns are just excellent through the whole track. The call and response it just plays a huge part in this track. The whole, without that what is it? It's just amazing. It's on almost every single line in the whole song. I like the Serve It Up Sheila bit at 132. Uh, you already said some of the best lyrics, the super fine heifer and two organ solos to go. Uh, your furry melting thing awaits me. But I only found this today on some review of this album, and it's actually where this story came from. And the story goes that Prince sent a bodyguard over to Cindy Crawford at a nightclub one night to see if she would like to chat with him, and she refused. So he wrote a song. A filthy song. And I thought that was just hilarious. If that's true, that's where it came from. That's just great. Uh, I like the breakdown at four minutes. Break down that funk. Make it even funkier. And there's um, there's another breakdown at 510. Guitar solos and horns everywhere. And there is some very cool beatboxing. 516 to 526. Is this the first time you did beatboxing on an album? I don't know. It'll be one of the first, wouldn't it? Maybe. Maybe. I can't. I couldn't think of anything earlier than this. Cat's rap is cool, and and that rap also was on positivity. But then Prince found out it wasn't an original rap. That's Kat right. Copied it from somewhere else. She borrowed it, um, so we cut it from. And that's positivity. all we that's all we heard from Cat after that. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be heard from again. Didn't even get oh. a didn't even get a role in Graffiti Bridge. Yeah, didn't even yeah. get nine lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this song is excellent. It's great. I don't, right. I, don't, I don't know if it's as, if it's better. Like I said, I'm 55-45, first and second track. <laughs> it's so close, but Le Grind is just better, slightly. Let's uh, let's see if Player can... I'm assuming Player hasn't reviewed this yet. <laughs> no. Let's see if Player can um, make up our mind on this. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the, the beat is popping. Prince's vocal delivery is pretty cool. I can hear all the energy that you guys have picked up on it. And the horns stand out a bit better than the last track on this one. But again, it's, it's, I agree with Toe Jam. It's a, it's a stretch out jam. So in that regard, it doesn't really go anywhere musically because it's just jamming off the one chord. But, you know, it's all about the groove, the party. It's tinged with Chili's, Timbali's and Cat's music is a key rap. As Captain said, I'm been no sprints at a time. He thought it was Cat freestyling, but she ripped it off from the JM Silk track, which, you know, gives the track a bit of flavor. But again, it's just a party track. It's, um, Given the ode to Cindy Crawford, it's a pretty cool song. I mean, I know you're saying it's not. Is it an ode, though? 
I don't know if it's an odor or if it's a piss take. It, it's, it's well, yeah, um, but I mean, like he's referencing her, so it's if mm. that origin story that I said is true. Mm. He, this is not well, a yeah. nice song. Exactly. I think it's it's tongue firmly in cheek. It's you yeah. know poking a bit of fun, having a bit of fun, and it's it's light hearted. I think that's what makes it makes it's it like, really. It's like yes, you're beautiful, but you're also probably not that nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows? But um. With that I think go. it's the other way around. It's like he's he's like the stalker at like but it's like a joke about, you know, this stalker. <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be Prince. <laughs> Don't you want to play with me? <laughs> it's hilarious a bit. <laughs> uh, it's 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 great stuff. Track number three. We go from two funk bombs to Dead On It. Dead on it. Now, I'm not going to go first, but I will just throw a caveat into this. Uh, I've got some some pretty heavy things to say about this track. So uh, why doesn't... Hmm, who can take this off my hands? Me. Toe Jam? Uh, sorry, Captain. I, I, I made a mistake, Captain. <laughs> Such a fall down after the first two monster tracks. And then this. I was on the funk train, and then I fell off the train and rolled into a pile of crap. It's just, I, I never really got this song at all. I mean, I get the references and what it's about, but I just don't like it. I don't think it's a great track. It's got some cool sounds and some funky guitar bits, but there's just not much to it. What, it even says, what does this have to do with the funk? Nothing. You know, after two monster funk tracks and then to go to that, it's, uh, I don't have anything else to say except I'm not a big fan of this track. I actually yeah, but but captain, actually, captain, who's paying? Who's paying the bills? Who's paying the bills? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another great lyric after that, but we'll get to that. I preferred when Tony M sang this. That's all I'm going to say. Next. <laughs> For me, this is just more brilliant. But I'll take it to to uh, to player to to chime in on it. Okay, the beat the beat reminds me of Run DMC Sucker MCs. And it's not exactly the same or a ripoff, but I can definitely hear Prince tapping into that 80s hip hop sound and creating a variant beat off that. The bass move is really good, the, the walking bass and really funky. The chicken grease is in the house, so it's got all those sort of elements there. I think it's just interesting that Prince felt the need to address hip hop in this way. And I think in retrospect, he realized he would have come off as kind of like an old man of sorts to write it off, then embrace it. But then the pendulum swung too far in the other direction where the music was, like, Prince's music was saturated in hip-hop. So, yeah, it grooves along. It's a cool track, but, yeah, it's 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 a weird track for, for Prince. Yeah, it's got that, like, braggadashia, you know, feel about it that, that the 80s rappers were sort of doing, and he's doing the same sort of thing that, you know, he's given a, a Minneapolis twist on it, I guess. But, yeah, just for him to sort of, you know, he felt the need to put this to wax and... Tell everyone sort of what time it is, but like in in the hip hop style, it's kind of yeah, it's a bit weird. But yeah, it's 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 okay. That's all I have to say about it, really. Well, player, your review word for word is pretty much what I would have said if I hadn't listened to this album earlier today. Mm. And you know, Prince may have had an epiphany not to release the Black Album, but when I heard Dead on It today, I had an epiphany myself, and I can't believe I slept on this song. More so than any other song on this album. This is unbelievably funky. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, this, Aww. I feel ashamed 
as a Prince fan right now because although I don't often listen to the Black Album, the version on my iPod is only seven tracks long. I never even copied Dead on it onto my computer. I didn't put it on my really? three player. Yeah, I was like, I just it, it was nothing. I found it bland. I found it pretentious. This is years ago, obviously. I'm talking about. I just found nothing redeemable about the song at all. And now I am. I've been blasting it all day. I can't believe how this is equally as funky as the first two tracks. That chicken grease guitar is unbelievable. The yeah. rhythm is unbelievable. The bass showpiece in conjunction with the drum programming. I mean, it keeps it all in check. He's picking out some, some, some cool stuff on the keyboard again, gives it some more shape. And this is Prince's best rap by far in his entire oh. You had me at the beginning, but you've gone too far now. Easy. Oh. And, and I'll, t- I'll explain <laughs> to you why. ridiculous. I'll explain to you why it's his best rap. It's his best rap because, one, it's a piss take. Two, it doesn't take itself too seriously. You could argue all his raps are mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's also a good point. But it doesn't take itself too seriously, just like the, the majority of this album... It's poking fun, but in a light-hearted way. Again, tongue squarely in cheek. And I just grin, I've been grinning all day listening to this track. And, and, you know, like, in a way, I know this was recorded back in 1987, but it's less a commentary to me about, uh, you know, I know he recorded it and he was obviously referring to some of the hip hop, uh, slash rap music that was out at the time. But think about, you know, 2013, we're going into 2014, and think about how timely some of the lines in this, in this song are. Seriously. See, the rapper's problem usually stem from being tone deaf. Listen to some of the absolutely shoddy material that's coming out of supposed hip hop producers nowadays and, and quote unquote rappers. And it's exactly that. And, you know, he's not going too hard on them, but he's still making a point. And I think the point here is also, too much emphasis has been placed by reviewers in the past saying that, oh, this is just, this is just a, a, a hate on rap. He, you know, this song is just a diss to rap and, and, and what hip hop's all about. I don't hear that as much as people claim that this is what it's about because he's also using the words dead on it to talk about how good he is, how much the bass is in the pocket and how good the music on this particular song is. So, you know, he's playing around with those words and I think it's clever. I think it's more than clever. It's intelligent, but at the same time, he's got his tongue sticking out. Not exactly like Miley Cyrus, but, um, <laughs> you know, he, he's just having a good time with this whole thing. And musically, this is some of the funkiest stuff he's ever done. So, Jim? Um, yeah, I, I, I slept on this for a while, but it hit me a couple of years la, ago. La, actually. la, 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 yeah, la, la. Cool, bit. <laughs> yeah, it hit me a couple of years ago, and I remember just, I remember discovering as well, going, man, this is funky. Uh, but it's all the instruments. It's all the music in the background for me that I love. The, the bass is just killer all the way through. And there's some really interesting, strange rhythm things going on. Like the bass is moving on the offbeats, but then you've got this real staccato keyboard stab hitting like the second semi-quaver. So you get this like, throughout the song. Really cool. Everyone said the chicken grease guitar riff is funky as. And I love all the, like, the little background vocal stuff it, with all this shooby-doo stuff. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of that pop music song from the early 80s. Uh, you know, and he's got little extra harmonies going on. And but the lyrics, the lyrics, uh, I like the, the rap at the beginning, but when it goes on about the, the licking the sisters on the knees, like that, that's funny the first time you hear it, but it, it is kind of like, 
what? Where, where are you taking this? But that's <laughs> what this whole album is about. It's weird yeah. and it's filthy and it's funky yeah. but and then it's all over, just it's as, over the top. Just as you're thinking, what the hell? Then he says, like, you know, what's that because of song? Nothing. Who cares? You know. <laughs> well, but yeah, you know what? Captain said that line. That sign. That line didn't make any sense because what exactly? What does it have to do with the funk? But I don't take it that way. I think he's saying nothing. All these, all these rappers and hip hop guys, the majority of them are really talking crap, talking smack, yeah. well, and that, not. That's, that's what's that what got like to do with the, the? Yeah, I like when it goes on to the you know beds a coffin. Dracula ain't got shit on me, and it's like <laughs> it. It really reminds me. It that paints the picture for me. It's like it's all these fake rappers. Yeah, you know, like the the MTV fake, you know, that everyone's trying to be a gangster, you know. Yeah. And Prince is seeing through that and seeing like, you know, the Dracula ain't got shit on me. It reminds me of like, it's almost like a Sesame Street, like he's referencing the Count from the Count. Sesame Street. <laughs> like, that's, you that's can the imagine like hearing that lyric. Dead on it remix, yeah. can't you? Yeah, and uh, that's the kind of vibe I get from that. Hey, so Alma, that's kind of cool. Get out of this dance floor. <laughs> uh, and I love the lyric about you know the rapper being tone deaf, and then you hear this really just. A tonal chord, bad, just come in, really cool. But yeah, the beat and the bass makes this really funky uh, headphone listen. But the lyrics are a bit hit and miss. Some of it's really good, some of it's a bit off. But yeah, it's funky. I, I think it's pure hit. I, I disagree with you, Tojan, that, that any any part of the lyrics in this song are, are off in any way. To me, this is Zappa-esque. It's like he's being sarcastic. He's just playing around with it. Yeah. Um, he, it's basically a, a bragging song, you know? It's like bragging. But yeah, you're right. The, the play on the words of Dead on It is really cool. Like, and yeah, and even you know the beds of coffin thing. It's like, look, you guys are. It's it's a dead thing. What you're doing? Yeah. Yes, of course you're dead on it. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's... You see, the more you think about it, the more brilliant it becomes. And undoubtedly, the funniest line in this entire track is, "I got a diamond ring on four fingers, each one the size of a mouse. They dead on it. Yeah, exactly. They dead yeah. on it. And you can just imagine these." Four dead mice, you know, <laughs> as substitute rings on, on the guy's finger. Hilarious. The imagery is hilarious. I love it. I'm probably getting a little bit out of control here, guys. Let's pull it back in to track number four. And we've talked about this on Love Sexy, the album, so we're not going to go too deep. But it is, of course, called When Two Are In Love. And uh, we've got one player in the room, so I'm going to take it straight to him. Player, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this is the kind of this kind of is the oddity of this album. It's miles away from the other party track songs, and it ended up on Love Sexy. But it's more structured than the other jam style tracks. I love this song. I think it's really sexy. But check my review on Love Sexy episode for more details on that. Uh, I was listening to this on the iPod this morning, and I've always thought that this song was sort of out of place, but like after the first, the, the manicness of the first three songs, like this is a good sort of breakup and breather. So I'm sort of um, changing on on my views on this song. So I think it, I think it kind of fits on this album in a way, but it, and then again, it doesn't because everything else is sort of like a party track or party tracks all over the place. So I mean, every every album should have its ballad and stuff, but. It kind of fits here, it kind of doesn't, kind of doesn't fit on Love Sexy, and it does, it's, it's kind of weird. It's the song that never really had a true home, so, in my mind, anyway. It's odd, it? It was a little oh. orphan. Yeah. Well, but let's but it's just... such a great song. It's such a great song, I love it. And you have to remember, player, I mean, to, to your point, it, that it, it, it's just a little maybe out of place in the sequencing, 
I'm not sure quite why it comes across that way, but let's all remember that Prince sequenced this album in that way. I mean, you know, it was being, you know, records were being pressed. This was the final product. This was the business, you know, it was done. So he must have thought that um, it makes sense. And again, going back to um, the record version of this, this closes side one. Yeah. Whether that has anything to do with it, I don't know. But you're right, it is a bit, you're going from a, a piss take of bragging uh, rappers to an incredibly sensual ballad at the same time doesn't that show just an insanely uh, wide range of possibility i mean this is all coming from one guy he's talking about dead mice on his fingers it's you one know, guy in track three <laughs> exactly <laughs> whereas he's talking about you know bathing in each other's love in the next song i mean this that's unreal it's unheard of to this day i don't think there's been as art an artist as as polarizing as Prince, and it's just an example, a further example. Captain? Yeah, I don't know. I suppose we're so used to this song being on Love Sexy, well, for, for those people who were around in 1988, and then to have it come out on another album, which predates Love Sexy, it's just a weird thing. And it does seem out of place for that mm. reason, but it also seems out of place. It's the only ballad on the album, on what was supposed to be, you know, like a party album. And maybe he just finished the album and he's like, oh, there's no ballad. Oh, I'll just stick a ballad in the middle. That'll do it. And there, well, there you go. Yeah. I, I wonder if this album had come out, what the first single w- would have been. And we know he loves those ballads, so it could have been highly <laughs> likely that When To Our In Love might have been the first single from the Black Album. Can you imagine How funny that? would that have been? That How would have been hilarious. Have been? He, he might have even been thinking about it. All these people are going to buy this album for this song, and they're going to listen to it and go, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> What's the matter with me, Cindy? <laughs> Don't you like me? Think about uh, it. Think about it. What, what, if, what if it was actually premeditated? It was like, it'll be the single, it'll sell the album, people are going to buy it for that song, and then they listen to the rest of this funk Bible. <laughs> and it's just going to blow their heads off. Exactly. There's another conspiracy theory by yeah. the Feature and Black podcast, guys. I don't know. It fits. It doesn't fit. I'm confused. That's what she said. Tojo. Uh, I don't have anything to say on this. I, I like I like the song. Um, I've given it a fairly positive review in the Love Sexy album review. I can't remember the last time I listened to this album and actually listened to this song in the context of the album. I, I, on my iPod, it's not even there. It's on the Love Sexy album on the iPod. So, And even when I did used to listen to it on CD, I'd always skip it anyway because... It, like Clay said, it's a song that never really found its true home. Maybe like kind of like Pink Cashmere as well. But yeah, it's a, it's an amazing song. Yeah, you can't disagree with what you just said, can you? I mean, we we all know it from Love Sexy, just based on what happened with those two albums and the fact that really everyone associates it with Love Sexy, and it makes it just difficult to listen to because of the the whole chronological. But even when we reviewed Love Sexy, we said this is the song that not that it doesn't fit, but of if you had to choose a song that didn't, that would yeah. be the one. But still, out of all the tracks on the Black album. It's the most similar to the Love Sexy concept. Well, that's but, right. Yeah. But on the Love Sexy album, it's the one that's most out of place. It's just, it's such a weird thing. I don't get it. I, I think you, another conspiracy theory here, and I don't think I've, I've ever read any, uh, this anywhere else, but, you know, it's possible that Prince was planning on releasing both albums. And very few people ever talk about this. I, I'm, I'm always skeptical about the whole changing. I, like, it wouldn't surprise me if, if there was kind of an element of this being planned. Hmm. Maybe not the you know religious thing he had, but the idea of having this underground album, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it turned out that he had it secretly planned in the back of his head the whole time. Yeah, interesting. 
conspiracy theories abound. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can imagine the Black Album coming out and Love Sexy coming out right after it, just because of the contrast as well. But, yeah, it could, it's possible. Maybe the Black, the Black Album was was uh, envisaged to be the bootleg <laughs> undercover release, which ended up happening anyway. You know, who knows? We'll never know. Again, I spoke about this song in my Love Sexy review, so any of our listeners who haven't heard our review of Love Sexy, the album, please go there straight after hearing this show and download it. Tell us what you think. Enjoy the listen, because we certainly enjoyed reviewing it. This is a question for... uh, And how many times have we said this? This is a question for a whole other show. But do you think it ever entered Prince's brain when he cancelled the release of the Black Album, how it would create the entire you know, bootleg legacy that he now has. I'll get to that in the conclusion. Whether that thought ever entered his brain or not, you've got to think about that. Yeah, well, you've got to remember, this is before the times of the, the internet, and so obviously there was there was always a bootleg scene, but it was never like it was. Like, especially, like, even 88, like, CDs were around, but they certainly hadn't, like, taken off completely. So, mm. and, and there was there was no burning CDs, you know, nah. you couldn't do that, so... Well, while we're on the subject, I was going to save it to the end, but while we're on the subject, before the Black Album, like, Prince had outtake songs, and even, like, Crystal Ball, Dream Factory, all these albums that no one was even aware of. And once he cancelled the Black Album, like, fans started to sort of dig into, like, his past, and, you know, they became more aware of, like, what he was possible of that, you know, wasn't sort of common knowledge. And also, too, around this time, around 87, 88, is when he started doing the after shows, which he wasn't doing previously. So he was becoming like an artist that was sort of, like, he'd just come off the back of Son of the Times, which was so critically acclaimed. And then, you know, there was the outtake songs and bootlegs, and plus, like, an artist that not only does a main show, but these after shows. So he was sort of around this era getting that reputation and people were sort of like really, it's like this guy's a freak, like a freak in the sense that, you know, he can do everything and it's just like amazing. He was creating yeah, yeah. this reputation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think like, like when Purple Rain came out, there was always, there was always this talk of, oh, Prince, the new musical genius. And I think by this stage, 87, 88, you either went in one direction, you either, you either realized, like we have, hang on a second, this, this guy really is like an amazing, he's not just like a, a two or three year pop star, here today, gone tomorrow. They're like, this guy is the real deal by this stage. Does that make sense? I think I know what you're saying. It's like, 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 cause you know, you hear all this, like I wasn't a fan at the time, but I can imagine this the way it went. Like, you know, you have all this press in 84, Prince, the new musical genius and all this kind of thing. And whether you bought into that or not, didn't really matter, but by this stage, I think if you were a follower of Prince, like you would have seen by now, this is more than just a a guy who's here here today, gone tomorrow. Like this is this is the real deal. Yeah, and it's quality stuff too. It's like really, it's undoubtable. You know, it's unquestionable the how good it is. So, you know, he was on fire at this time. Let's not forget. I mean, he was producing some of the best material of his of his career. So he was gaining a lot of hardcore fans, especially in Europe, not so much in the US at the time. So yeah, definitely a turning point. Uh, okay, so we are up to side two. It is, of course, track number five, and the name is Bob George. What's his name? Bob. Bob. Ain't that a bitch? What they do for a living? Manage rock stars. Who? Prince. Ain't that a bitch? That skinny motherfucker with the high voice. Please. Go right ahead. Bob George by Captain. Bob George. Okay. 
I always liked this in the Love Sexy show with Prince and his his Dame Edna glasses. That was always a <laughs> good start. <laughs> but this is just a classic track. It's not like anything he's ever done. It's just crazy batshit crazy, and it's great. Classic, classic lyrics all over this track. I'll slap your ass into the middle of next week. That's just great. But the best thing, the best thing he says in this song, where when he says, I got a gun, and then he says, you think I don't. That is just one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I don't know why, but I ended up saying that for at least about three years after first hearing it, and just went around <laughs> saying that to everyone all the time. Anytime <laughs> anyone said anything, I'm like, oh, you think I'm not? You think it's not? <laughs> I just said that all the time, and I still say it sometimes. And it's just one of the funniest lines ever. Oh, two minutes in, guitar kicks in and just blows your head off. Oh, you might know, I'm not a big fan of sound effects in songs, but at least this song has a story, and the sound effects fit in this track. So you like the police siren in this one? I don't mind the police <laughs> siren and the helicopter and the, you know, he's got a laser. I don't mind these these things. They're funny. It's his death laser. It's his death laser from For You. <laughs> That's what it is. There's these really cool little digital stabs at 259, 302, and 308. I don't know what they are, but they're cool. 449 at the end of the phone call where he says, I'll kick your ass twice. That's the funniest thing ever as well. Everything kicks back in and it just sounds mad. Just, I'll kick your ass. You think I won't? That's one of the funniest lines I've ever heard. That's all I've got to say. It's the delivery again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a, a lot is in the delivery. Oh, you think it's song. not? <laughs> <laughs> Player. I really like this. The beat is hard. The guitar chords are grinding. I like the fact that the vocals are pitched and distorted to an unrecognizable state because this isn't Prince's story or a story told by Prince. It's told by a character. And so in that regard, Prince removes himself out of the song to a degree. Even in the Love Sexy ch- show, how he puts on the glasses and he changes his look, <laughs> you know. He's making it clear that it's told from like a, a character's standpoint or perspective. Like what Captain said, there's some funny lines in here. And on the flip side, there's some violent and disturbing content as well. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I like it for what it is. It's a good funky track. Tells a story. I don't know what, what he's trying to get across, but... Yeah, it's, it's funky. I like it. I think it was meant to be a shocking track. Well, probably around that time it probably was. Yeah. Well, not, not only was it meant to be a shocking track, but it was meant to be a complete slap in the face to Nelson George. And mm. Bob Farnoli. There you go. So <laughs> Allegedly, apparently. Allegedly. Conspiracy theories abound. Toe Jam. I think Captain summed it up when he said it's batshit crazy. And that's <laughs> what it is. But it's batshit funky crazy. Yeah. Is what I'm going to say, because it is. It's just it's so damn funky. Just this. It's a humorous track. It's a comic track, and there's no bass, but the the kick drum like triggers this bass sort of sound, and it's, it turns it's out tuned it's tuned kick drum. Yeah, tuned kick drum. But it's a blues as well. So the the yeah. tuned kick drum plays a blues bass line, which is cool. This has one of my favorite lyrics of all times, and that yeah. is the uh, you know for someone who can't stand no TV dinners, you sure are enough of the motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> a- <laughs> I love that lyric. <laughs> that, that just like to be that it's so funny, but it also sums up like the imagery of what's you know it's like this guy in this like rundown apartment eating TV dinners with this poor kind of thing. And heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then oh, we, and there's the classic you know Prince the skinny motherfucker with the high voice like that's a classic one. 
But yeah, it's kind of dark, isn't it? And the, I like that it's it's dark, but it's funny at the same time. It's a real dark humor song, and it gets pretty serious. Like you know, it, this guy's not just a bum. He's got a machine gun. You know, he's got a laser. And uh, you think it ain't? Well, he's going to show you. You know, and I, I love that sound effect, that machine gun sound effect that he used around this time. It's just such a, again, a comic cartoon machine yeah. gun sort of sound. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a plastic toy you'd pick up at, at Target yeah. or something, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and the phone call is really funny, and I, I don't know why. I just always like the bit where it's like, "Why can't we just dance? Why can't we just dance?" You know, it's like uh, it's it's Prince's answer to every problem. This the world's gone crazy, and the apocalypse is here, or whatever. But we can just dance, and it'll all be okay. You know, I like that. Uh, and also another classic lyric: "B O B, spell that shit backwards. It's the same motherfucking shit." <laughs> <laughs> There's every line is gold, pure gold, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, now, this isn't the first time that this voice has been heard also. If you listen to the Brown Mark single produced by Prince, which I think is Bang Bang, yeah. the extent, maybe it's in the single version, I can't remember, but like the extended version, definitely, he's called himself Elvirus or something. But it's the same, it's the Bob George voice. So go and check that out for Ooh. some pre-Black Album Bob George voice stuff. And it's a similar kind of character, he's this real negative character. And the song ends with that bizarre sample from the Frank Zappa album, which we've talked about a few times over the years. Oh, uh, it's uh, from the... Is it from Fairlight? Fairlight. Yeah, yeah. Fairlight. Yeah. And, and that, that bizarre sample is all over Prince's music in this era, which is cool. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is just... I think it's batshit crazy funk. <laughs> <laughs> He's invented a new genre. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's... You know, this is, this is one of the funniest things. Like, this is funnier to me than Movie Star, by far. It's funnier than me than Morris Day, because... It's uh, it's not trying to be funny, if you, if that makes any sense, you know. It's just he's spitting out these classic lines, and you guys have mentioned most of, most of them, but the ones that crack me up are some of the ones that you haven't mentioned, like "Don't try to play me for yesterday's fool," and the way he says that, you can imagine like you could just imagine, you know, a scene in some really crappy '80s B movie, and um, you know, in a barber shop or something, and <laughs> this is the kind of this is the kind of smack talk that. Uh, you'd be hearing. So I, I really find it funny for those reasons. Then, you know, who bought you that diamond ring? Since when did you have a job? And all that kind of stuff. It's just hilarious. And probably one of the funniest and most entertaining de- devices, almost like a plot device, really, that Prince uses in this song is when he says, oh, yeah, you quiet now. Little, yeah, right. It might be little, but it's loud. And right after that, right after he says yeah. the word loud, you got that stinging, piercing guitar in the background. Yeah. Um, brilliant. This is brilliant stuff. It's incredibly funky and it's incredibly dark and filthy and disgusting. Um, and it's clinical. Like this, the beat in this song is incredibly clinical. Yeah, it's dr- dr- it's, drum machines will do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but no, but this one sounds even more so. It's really cold. It's, cold. it's, yeah. it's got the scary voice with the nasty guitar playing, weird sound effects. You know, the, weird, just, the weird thing with the, the drum beat though is, there's like reverb on the kick drum, but none at all on like the snare or the hand clap. It's, it's really, really it's weird. Really, really flat. It's like really It's really weird thing. that there's like a reverb on one but not the other. When you when I listen to it in the headphones, it just sounds strange. Yeah. It's an eerie it's an eerie track, you know. I don't talk about you, I don't talk about you. <laughs> See, I wonder some, I wonder who that could be directed yeah, at. Yeah, and there's there's some there's some more expletives and all that sort of stuff, so I won't be quoting it too much, but he pokes fun at himself. I love that. 
And it's dark humor, but it's sarcastic and it's playful, and the music is funky to boot. And with that, we go into track number six, entitled Super Funky Califragisexy. Who wants to take this off my hands? Player. Yeah, I like this one too. This one, again, is a straight groove, but unlike the earlier tracks, it has a memorable lead line. It's very carnival-like in its melody, very playful. Some nice instrumentation here. Chicken grease guitar, nice stabby synths, um, deep growling bass throughout, really growls all the way through. Lyrically, it's kind of kinky. It's um, some interesting concepts he explores here. Yeah, I enjoyed this song, but... It reaches a point where it kind of outsays its welcome and becomes slightly repetitive, but all in all, it's cool. It's it's one of the sort of memorable and groovy tracks on this album. Okay, Mr. Tojan. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very similar to Lagrand and Cindy C, and it's a big funk long jam. I think it's this is probably the weakest of the three, and I don't have a lot to say. But I've just written I was going to go through and analyze all the lyrics because they're but I've just written WTF lyrics. <laughs> the li- the lyrics in this are just. Very strange. I'll leave it at that. You guys will get into it more, probably. Uh, it's got a great turnaround. Again, really comical, really cartoony. And it's, it's this weird chorus. It's just this super funky, kind of sexy. And then he goes, whoa. And then there's a few seconds silence. And then there's, that's just That was dead on it, told you. That's just the weirdest chorus ever. It's got a lot of these orchestra hit samples which a lot of the 80s songs not not just prince but a lot of that sound has i'm not i've never been a big fan of that orchestra hit sample it always sounds real cheesy uh, there's the the classic you know in in seven measures i want someone to scream and of course you know all the music nerds out there are counting the seven measures to make sure it comes in on time and it does <laughs> um, and it's got the, the housequake kick drum there's there's probably four or five of these songs from this era that basically had that exact same kick drum pattern it's house, house, house quake quick, but it's, stop reading all my notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's house quake kick, but it's sped up. So yeah, whereas like something like Shockadelica slowed down. You know, stop so reading them. God, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what to say? I haven't got much more to say. There's a scary. Oh, you may have this. There's a scary bit at two forty-five. Oh, no. no, you haven't got that. Okay, I'm tempted. Well, I guess Winter and Love is most skippable, but this may be second most skippable for me. I just. Just find it's a bit, after all the heavy funk before it, it's, I don't want to say too much, but this one just kind of falls short for me. I've always found that. Even on the Love Sexy Tour, I've I'm, I'm never been, not been a big fan of that scene in in the Love Sexy Tour. Anyway, that's it. Uh, Captain, what, have you got any notes <laughs> left about just, this track? There's nothing left. Uh, what can you say, except it's super funky. What a lead line. That's just mental. It just starts off with that, you know, deranged laugh, scream that he does. Uh, I love listening to the, the backing vocals. They're cool all the way through. Uh, it's a great drum beat. It's got chicken scratch guitar all the way through. No one said this. There is some very deep bass in there too. If you crank it up, listen, 3 minutes to 3.06, there is some insane bass in there. And like Jam said, you know, there's all these funky tracks with this similar type drum beat. There's Housequake, Shockadelica, and they just all end up being super funky tracks. And he called this one that name. That seven measures thing. I always meant to count it, but I just never got around to it. But it is on. It is right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, 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 can't be bothered going. But back. you've got to, you've got to count. You've got to start counting it as soon as he says seven measures. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it one day. There is a very cool hi-hat stuff going all the way f- through this track. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah get on um, the bells. Hit the bells. It's crazy, especially there's those two hits at 102 where he, where he says, you know, you play with yourself. There's those two big hits, which I think in Love Sexy Show, Levi did it on the bass as well. Always love that part. But there's this cool, there's an open hi-hat, 345 to 357, and it doesn't come back again till like 534 for about another 10 seconds. And it's just really cool stuff that just adds to the funk hugely. And then I love how he goes back to the first verse and does it over again at 430, but different. Ah, oh, there's, and there's some lyrics in this, there's some lyrics in here, but, um, MC, are you, you going to talk about lyrics? A uh, little bit, but you can go go uh, go hard on this. Uh, I haven't got that many. Just the, the, I'll just say the, the the best one. If you can't beat them, join them. That that lyric near the end, it's mm. so good, and in 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 the big deep voice as well. It's and then big slamming after that as well. Yeah, um, I like you got the look right. Yeah, um, our theme name track song <laughs> link <laughs> whatever. <laughs> This this song this song is you guys have said so much about it. It, it is insanely funky, super funky, uh, as it says in the title. But you know, number one, it's a play on Mary Poppins to start with. You know the title, and you know the, the, it's it's a one man band performance, which makes it even funkier because Prince is behind the kit and he's hitting those drums as only he can, uh, which is great to hear as well. And I mean, this is crazily obscenely a crazy and obscenely funky piece of music i mean from the maniacal laughter opening to the dramatic cabaret type melody this shit is super funky i mean the spoken word stuff is the beeswax it is it's trippy the lyrics are surreal it's like and it is this is this is an erotic piece of music i mean I love listening to the cymbals and the timpani work on this and all the other you know musical elements you know over that housequake inspired groove but Really, the theme, the thematic, the the BPM, the rhythm, the 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 onslaught of drum work. The BPM is that the the batshit crazy per minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bat, batshit beats per minute um, <laughs> is nuts, and this is a big come on, big turn on track. But it's freaky. Like this is the kind of stuff. I mean, uh, you know, you could imagine. Someone really tripping to this track in many, many different ways, or using it for many, many different purposes. I won't open up that can of worms, but you could, yeah, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. There's, there's some freaky stuff going on here. Because several are going to cry, or yeah. <laughs> so well, where's uh, that from? That's a Prince song. I can't think what it is though. I don't know. Well, maybe our listeners would, would chime in. But a bucket filled with squirreled meat, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's batshit crazy, but I love it. And what else can you say? It's it's sick. It's a crazy track. I mean, the beat the beat is on time all the time. So refined, specially designed to make, make you, do, you the do, do the do. And that's what this song will do if you if you're that kind of person or if you're, if you're in that kind of mood. It'll um look. I can't, laxative, is it? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Uh, no, but if you rearrange some of the words from the word laxative, you'll get what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know what else to say. Again, I'm lost for words, speechless. But this song is filthy. It's insane. It's probably the most overtly sexual song that he's done, I think. And he's done a lot of them. You turn on the neon. A lot of stuff happening. It takes you back to the automatic days, but it really, like, it, it ups the ante hardcore. And and that scene in, in, it's like you, 
you know, where he's basically practically being dominated. <laughs> well, it's a lighthearted attempt in the in the uh, Dortmund Love Sexy show. I mean, there's some weird stuff going on here. Just makes for intriguing listening. And with that, we go into a track number seven, a virtually all instrumental track. It is entitled Two Nigs United for West Compton. Yes. <laughs> Captain. This is great. Again, I'm going to keep saying it's unbelievable, but ah, oh, this track. Serve it up, Frankie. Back again. The intro is hilarious. The few the first, I don't know, 30 seconds or whatever it is of just them all talking. It is hilarious. It, it kills me every time. There's, there's, you know, there's people over here talking about this and then, and then you've got over on the other side, Prince calls Cat a bitch. He just says like bitch. And then she says, who you call him bitch? Ho bitch. And, and then Prince comes back. Well, I call a ho bitch, you black ho bitch. It's just hilarious. <laughs> I think it is so funny. Your explanation of it is more hilarious than the song I might ask. I think it is so funny. I mean, obviously, you know, these days Prince might be far from proud of that little interlude, but come on, it was 1987. It was classic. It was hilarious stuff. But this And what's going on while well, all this is happening? There's a housequake kick drum going on in the background. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> But this track is just a killer. It's when, and it just kicks in. It sounds like you just dropped the needle onto the last minute of some epic long 10 minute track. But no, this is just the start of the song. It is insane. Uh, it's, there's this one synth note starts at 212 and it, he just holds it for like 30 seconds. Just one note. And it, uh, it's, it's just funky. There's a great solo at 246. It's gotta be Levi on bass, I'm guessing. Levi's mm. a killer bass player. I think hugely overlooked in Prince history. He's not as a bass player. He's not. I know a lot of people have said that, and I was going to talk about me, this as part me. of our It's always me. <laughs> I mean, it, I know it sounds like Levi, but all reports say that this is outside of Sheila on the drums. Prince does everything else. I think it's Prince. No, I mean, if this is a Madhouse track, uh, which is Levi on the bass. Sheila on the drums, Prince on the keyboards, Eric on the sax. That's it. Well, there is, there's no sax in this song, but yeah. To me, okay. the, the, That's the your bass theory. solo, the start of the bass solo sounds like Levi. Yeah, but then it changes, I, doesn't it? I, the last half of it, I, I swear it's Prince. And so I, I wouldn't Actually, be surprised yeah, if it, it is Actually, it does change, Prince. doesn't but it? It does it, change. He's got that touch. Like, it, it's him on the touch for sure, I reckon. Yeah, the bit where it's going... That's him. Prince feel all over that bit. Yeah. See, the, it does change. The bass, the bass though, is like, um, when I hear it, it sounds like it's being played with a pick, and that's what sort of Levi yeah. kind of uses with, with his bass. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, like you said, the second half is more sort of Prince style, so maybe like it's a, like a halfway thing. Yeah, they might have swapped over. Well, yeah. Mm. And if we've just agreed, I don't know if we have, but let's, let's say we have agreed that it's Prince, is this Prince's best studio bass work? Well, it's up there. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's up. What is, what is it between this and La 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 He 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 Explosive? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, Levi. I miss Levi. Levi was the bass player all through. You know, 1987, Sign of the Times, 1988, Love Sexy Tour, 1990, Nude Tour. But I just think everyone just totally, when they think of a bass player, he he's never the one that comes to mind. But for me, Sunny T and him are always the first two that I think of. But uh, anyway. That's enough of that. That then after that you got this great keyboard solo starts at four minutes. I'm guessing that's Prince himself. 
but it's technically a Prince album, but it's, it's a Madhouse track. It's got to be. Sure sounds like one to me. That's all. Unbelievable. All right, all right. Player, what are your thoughts on Two Neeks? United for West Compton. Yeah, it starts out with the party conversation over the Housequake beat, and then, yeah, it goes into the full-on thrash-out groove. Very funky, very jazzy. To me, it sounds like something that the band would have rehearsed on during sound checks of Sign and Times Tour. Well, that's what I think of when I hear this. Or Madhouse and, and all that sort of stuff. Just the jammy, jazzy sort of stuff. It's just manic. Nice way to showcase some solos, the bass, the keyboards ones especially. And it's just really cool instrumental. Because, like, I mean, apart from this, when has he ever put, like, a, a solo track or a, a track that showcases solos and stuff on an album? Under his own name. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like one of the first and... Yeah, it's, it's really good. This song, when it starts, as soon as that talking stops, and it just goes, it just smashes you in the face. Yeah, it does, yeah. It is Bang. just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it's like, like it, a riot started, yeah. It's just <laughs> like, bang, oh my god. To me, it takes the funk from all the previous tracks and like puts it into a blender and then just puts it straight yeah. through into the stratosphere. Like it, this is, yeah. this is really, he's driving it hard into overdrive and Sheila on the drums, Prince doing everything else, obviously having to overdub it, you'd imagine. But, you know, when you think about the combination of that nasty lead line synth that at one point he holds that one note for this really long time, it actually reminds me of a moment where he did something similar on the guitar where he played, um, back in 2009 at the Montreux shows where he basically picked on one, one note for about 30 seconds. Um, he does a similar thing here. And this contains, I would say, the best bass jam by Prince in a studio track, uh, closely followed by probably La La La, He He He, and Crystal Ball. But th- this is it. Like, if anyone ever doubts Prince's ability to just go nuts, you know, in a, in a completely funky way on the bass, play them that bit. Play them this entire song. Mm. Um, what a solo. The whole thing is just nuts. I love the pounding drums. This is this is redonkulous funk, toe jam. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mad. It's almost like Madhouse on steroids. And it's I like the beginning where the music comes in. It's like it's like fireworks going off. It's just and then we're into it. You know, this is another song where I really think the mix could be heaps better because I find that the sort of I don't know if you call it a walking bass in the background. It's kind of muddy and it's really hard to distinguish kind of what's going on. So I, I would definitely muck around with the mix on this. Like the organ solo at the beginning, it's it's way too soft. You can't hear it. Um, the ride symbol is maybe a bit too loud. So, yeah, it's another one. Probably don't notice it so much when you listen to it on speakers, but when you listen to it in headphones, I just I think, oh, man, I wish I could turn this down and this up. But, yeah, if we've talked about the bass solo. That's amazing. It's just solos all around, and it keeps going. I love the last minute or so where it's basically just, it sounds like just like this sample ride symbol and maybe some drummer, maybe Sheila, maybe Prince, who knows. But then there's also this all, there's all, all this other crazy percussive stuff going on. It's just like it's like popcorn going off. With all these weird sound effects, but it's all just percussive, so it's really cool. Yeah, I haven't got much more to say about it. It's just, it's really in your face. It's a real party improvised solo jam that doesn't let up. Just like much of this album, I think. I mean, there's so many funk bangers on here. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And this brings us to the last track, number eight, entitled Rock Hard in a Funky Place. It's written all over your uh, let's take it to Mr. Captain to start us off on this. Camille. 
Echo. Echo. This was going to be on the Camille album, and then that was scrapped, and then it was going to be on Crystal Ball, and that didn't happen either. So it ended up here, then this album didn't come out in 1987 either, and we didn't get it until 1994. It's been all over the place. But it's Camille, so it has to be funky. And the thing I noticed today, which I never noticed before, there's maracas the entire track. I can't think of any other Prince song which has got maracas, you know, doing the shaky-shaky all the way through the song. I never noticed that until today on the headphones. It's got an excellent horn line. It's it's just too cool. And it was played in somewhere in the Love Sexy show. I, I can't remember where it was, but it was in there somewhere. And when I heard this track, I remember the horn line, and I'm like, and it took me ages before I figured out where it was from. And just like in Bob George, pretty much spot on two minutes in, the guitar kicks in and kills you. And in Bob George as well, two minutes, the guitar comes in. It's weird. It's exactly the same spot, two minutes in. And it's just the simplest drum beat, but everything just fits. Again, he's the master arranger. There's yeah, some weird things coming later on in this track. 312 to 320, you can hear a flute, and then someone's blowing a whistle. It's, it's just weird stuff in the background there. And I like the rock rock part at 358. And I like when he says it near the end, tune in next week, same time, same boogie, which is the same similar thing to what he said at the end of Party Man, Purple Party Mix. He says something about tuning next hit in Bat Dance or something like that. And the best thing, the end of this track, just when it's fading out, keep your finger on the trigger. That's the only way it'll get bigger. What a, what a, what another great line. Uh, this is a funky, funky song. It's Camille. And that's all. Okay. Toe Jam. Uh, this is a funky number again, once again. This probably has my favourite Prince Horn horn line um, of all time, possibly. Ooh. That Eric Leeds composed horn line is just, it's so funky. I remember I worked that out like when I was like 18 or 19, and it took me ages to work it out perfectly. It's such a cool horn line. It, it's pure bebop. Like if it's ever a Prince song with a pure bebop horn line in there, that's it. And I love the way it's barry sax, tenor sax, muted trumpet. So it's got like the high, medium and low playing it. But it's, it's, it's nicely mixed. Mm. It's not too in your face. And it's also in the sign of the times too. I think on in Beautiful Nights at the end, when they go to a different key and suddenly they go, uh, and it's, it's the horn line from Rock Hard in the Funky Place. Or, or it's in there somewhere anyway. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I thought it was Love Sexy, but it could uh, have been Sign of the Times. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Sign. The song? What do you mean? No, no, no it's on the Sign of the Times tour. Line, that horn line. Oh, what did I say? What did I say Love Sexy, did I? No, no, I did. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's in there somewhere, and it's one of those ones, but they play it three times the speed, and you listen to it, and you go, hang on, that's, that's the Rock Hard and a Funky, in yeah. Rock Hard and a Funky Place. It took place me ages to figure out where it was from after I'd heard it. I'm like, oh, that's from somewhere. Yeah. And it, you know, it took me weeks, you know, listening back to everything, trying to find it. Yeah, it's such a cool line. And it's the kind of line you could almost anything, and it's going to work, because the way it rolls around. There's the Banana Cologne lyric, very famous Prince lyric among Prince so fans. in Banana Cologne. I'm not going to go too far into the lyrics, but it's just hilarious, the, the story of the song or the what he's singing about. I just find it hilarious. It's such a disgrace. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I love the guitar solo, cool solo. And there's some spooky like synth line that pops in and out while the guitar solo is going. I haven't got much more to say about the song. Uh, I like the ending, same time, same boogie. It, and again, with the Party Man reference, it's almost like a, it's a bit of a Batman thing, you know, same bat time, same bat channel. Yeah. But yeah, this is just a real sludgy, sloppy, funky song with a hilarious theme. 
Okay. And uh, player, give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. Um, a nice joke there, Prince, with the title, by the way. This is cool and probably one of the most laid back on the whole disc. Um, I agree with Tojem. The highlight is the chorus horn lead line. Honestly, Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss, they're demons, those guys. Um, yeah, just crazy. And I can just hear the, the bebop. Yeah. On that horn line, I think Eric Leeds once said that he, it was actually an old song he'd written years and years ago and brought it back. Incorporated when, it. Yeah. Yeah. When Prince wanted a, a bebop sort of style line. Yeah. It's good. Also, the guitar solo is a highlight here. The whole song is cartoony, as Tojan would say. I really like this song. It's one of the more memorable. And of course, the, uh, what kind of fuck ending is that? It's hilarious as well. So it's an awesome song. I like it. Cool. Again, I don't want to, um, repeat everything everyone said, but this is an awesome track. It's completely sex infused. I mean, to me, I read it as a, it, half of the song is about an awkward individual. And the other half is just about, well, I said it, S-E-X. And in on top of all of that, he's got these jazzy horn lines. He's got a guitar that steals the show, uh, complete icing on the cake, some of, the, some of that guitar work. The live drums are cool. The live sounding drums, I should say, are cool. It, it, it's a curious track in that it's really just a jam, reminiscent of an after show vibe. I don't know if you guys kind of hear that as well, but maybe yeah, it's got that real late night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Late night is, is definitely, uh, got something to do with this song. And, you know, Camille on the vocals is great. The sexual lyricism, I just can't, I can't go past that. It is so overtly sexual. I said super funky, califragisexy was overtly sexual. Well, this one takes it to another level. I won't read some of these lines because I think they're inappropriate to, to read out on the show. But, you know, the first two paragraphs from the, from the lyric sheet, talk about, to my mind, really, you know, either a guy, from a guy's point of view, making a commentary on a girl who's who's just in the wrong place or, or trying to, to kind of act cool but really ha- having no idea how to do it, you know, and just kind of being being a bit all for show. And, and, and it keeps going, 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 going until finally it's the guy's turn to chat up this woman and he just can't do it because... He's so infatuated and obviously, um, he can't concentrate for, um, a number of specific reasons. <laughs> and then it gets into some, like, like Tojem said, some nasty stuff happening. And, but what makes it funny and what makes it passable in my book is just the musicality of the whole thing. Like, every time he says something incredibly salacious, you know, there's a cool bass pop or a guitar lick that just blows your head off, as Captain says. So, so I really like that. I have to read out this one line because it's probably one of the more uh, famous ones where towards the end of the song where he says, I just hate to see an erection go to waste. I'm just a rock hard in a funky place. <laughs> if that's not one of the funniest things he's put to paper, I don't know what is. <laughs> he keeps on going, going, going. While we're on the lyrics, I mean, the one that I always piss myself laughing at <laughs> is when it's like, Maybe if Pete Coppin in the car. And it's like, this <laughs> 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 sort of nursery rhyme. Like, well, <laughs> maybe if you could think about playing guitar. And again, just more guitar crowns the track. Yeah. And of course, what kind of F ending was that? A great way to end the song. An incredibly good way to end the album. This is one of the filthiest, sickest, funkiest, darkest, funniest, loosest, tongue-in-cheek-est album that 
Prince has ever really put together and almost put out officially at the time that it should have been. But, you know, the 94 edition is as good as, as ever. I'm just happy we have it in our hands. I'm happy we've got it. it. It could be mixed better. You guys are right. But at the end of the day, it has been officially released. We've got the master, you know, the master tracks. And to anyone who hasn't heard this album, I would just conclude my review by saying play it loud on headphones in a dark room late Late, late at night. Crank the bass. Yeah, crank, especially crank that part up and just crank the whole thing up and just be prepared to have your mind blown, your world blown. You know, I slept on this album a lot. I slept on a couple of songs a lot, but now that we've been listening to this album so often for for this particular review, I have to say this album is musically and thematically as potent as Love Sexy. Comments. On that point? Yeah, I just in general. I take it to the Peach and Black panel. I think just on that last point, I would say it's as creative, it may not be as cohesive. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's Thematically? That's about right. Thematically not um, as cohesive? Because musically, there's so much going on. I mean, it, yeah, this, is a, this is, is a finished product. Let, anyone like who said, thinks... Like, there's a, so many ideas. Like, like Love Sexy, there's so many ideas in this song, yeah. on this album. It's just, it's insane. Every Every five seconds, there's something awesome happening somewhere. But I don't think it's as like a, like cohesive as an album as Love Sexy is. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll say that. Player Captain, yeah, agree with that or disagree? Yeah, I'll say it's just as creative, yeah. but it's not as it's not as complicated as Love Sexy is. I mean, Love Sexy yeah, is it's, just it's more jams. That, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love Sexy, there's more arrangement happening. Love like, Sexy more... is a whole other level of complicated. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is this is really I wouldn't say purely a funk album, but it's. It's P-Funk, and by P-Funk I mean Prince Funk. This is typical Prince Funk of that era, you know. Even though he's mixing odds and ends here and there, it's really, he's jamming on it, he's extending the grooves. And to my mind, you know, we love when Prince finds a, a, a great groove and kills it, you know, a la Controversy and so many other tracks. And he does it so often, I mean, six out of eight songs are like this, or seven out of eight songs are like that on here. So, pound for And you pound. can also... Like I love about Prince albums, you know, you hear the the progression of sound, and so this is this is the link between Sign of the Times and Love Sexy. Like the sound is, it's half Sign of the Times, half Love Sexy sounds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because whereas Sign of the Times was more '86 material, you know, working on that, this is a year later, isn't it? I mean, from a production point of view, the overdubbing. So yeah, it's a perfect link, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There, you, there you go. Um, so, the legendary M- black album. MC is gonna rate this batshit crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? I haven't rated an album for a while, and I, I am, I am happy to rate this album. But you guys are gonna go first. So, starting with uh, player, what do you give this out of ten? This is a hard one, though. I think to rate, but I'll give it. Um, the, the thing I don't like about it is, well, two things is the way it's mixed. And to me, it seems like it's missing a whole heap of low end. It sounds really thin and tinny to me, to my ears. So those two points, it kind of knocks it off a bit for me. So I'd say about a seven or so out of ten. Um, okay. okay. Cool little album with like jams and stuff, but I just wish it was mixed better and just has more sort of low end on it. It's just, that's what I think it's missing is some, a whole heap of low end. Yeah. You gotta crank the bass when you listen to this. It makes such yeah. a, it makes such a difference. Because there is some monster bass on this album. You just have mm. to hear it. Well, it's a hallmark of funk music, isn't it? So he put a lot of effort into the bass playing and the bass arrangement on this on, the, on this particular release. Captain, what are you scoring this out of 10? Oh, 
I'll get to my score, but this album, as great as it is, and as great as Sign of the Times is, they both suffer from that same muddy mix. And even though this came out in 94, it wasn't remastered, which I find just stupid, really. Wouldn't you love to hear the Black Album remastered? Would I like to hear a whole lot of Prince albums remastered? (laughs) But that might not ever happen. But I just can't believe that this wasn't done when they released it in 94. They just like, here's the tapes, put it out. I, I, I don't see how you could do that. Mm. You know, things when you're are, trying to fulfill a con- contract. Yeah, exactly. But even if Prince gave them the tapes and someone else, God, Bernie, just remaster it. Anybody. Just don't just put it out with seven-year-old technology mastering. That's just silliness. Really? It just shows how desperate he was to get out of the contract, I think. Yeah. To one, accept the check for it, and two, to yeah, put it out just as it is. It, it really screams of last-minute decision. That's just so sad, because it could sound so mm. much better. Oh, I could only wish yeah, for the remasters for this album and everything else. Our show could sound so much better if Skype's echo went away, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm going to give this... Eight out of ten. Solid. It is solid, solid, solid. Solid, great album. All right, and with that, we take it to Toe Jam to to score and rate out of ten. Well, I've just been thinking it's kind of similar to Minneapolis Sound, isn't it? In in that it's a it's a party album. There's funk overload all the way through. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as. Yeah, yeah. uh, I'm I'm not saying Minneapolis Sound is as good as Blackout, but it's the same. It's a similar kind of. Album. In, but to, to Jim, if, if you wanted to say that, you can. I mean, we, we're friends. <laughs> we, we, you're free to say that. Is, would you like to say that? <laughs> no, no, I would not like to say that. <laughs> no, but it's the same kind of intent. It's a, it's a party album that's slightly throwaway. Like there's these big, long, extended jams. But with that, like the, the creativity on this one is just. It's it's like someone said. It, it's just insane. Like, and that's where Minneapolis Sound kind of falls in that, that the level of creativity just. It's not that it's not creative. It's just not as it's not at the same level as as this this era. Um, so, having said that, I think the album as an album it doesn't live up to the songs that's contained within it. It's you know we say that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but it's actually the opposite to that. That the whole is less than the sum of its parts for this one. And I think that's maybe because when Turo and Love's kind of an odd selection in there, and there's a lot of extended jamming. So as an album, it's it's an oddity. Yeah. It, it is. It's odd, isn't it? Yeah. As an, as an album, it's odd. It's hard to score. So, But having said that, there's some real funky moments in it, and I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. 7, 8, 8, and now it's MC. Let's turn... Um, that shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to be too controversial here, and I know that you guys don't like the way I used to rate albums back in the day that I used to do it. Are you going to come by having out a look of at how many rating retirement? I may. <laughs> I may do. I think I will do. Yeah, completely on the spot. I haven't given this too much, but there are eight tracks on this release, <laughs> and I'm very tempted to give this album a solid eight score, I should say. But at the same time, I'm thinking of giving it a higher score, and I'll, I'll explain my reasoning very, very... I'm thinking about how funky this album is as a whole. You know, take away two hour love, and you've got seven just funk bombs, incredibly funky stuff, top shelf funk. And in a, in a peak period of Prince's creativity, as Tojam said, I mean, highly vibrant work this is to me. You know, it's, it's incredibly dynamic. It's, it's funny. It's funky. 
it's just fresh. It sounds so fresh after these years. It's it's insane. And so when I think of the funkiest albums in Prince's catalog, I can't think of a single album in the last 10 years, wall to wall, that's been as funky as this. I can't think of a single album in the 90s that's as funky as this. Certainly 78 to 80, there wasn't any. You could argue maybe Dirty Mind. You know, this is like the late 80s version of Dirty Mind on a funk point of view. But so that's more minim- minimalistic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And there's New Wave and all sorts of other stuff. So then you go, okay, Controversy. Well, no, this is funkier than Controversy. Not the title track, but the album itself. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's between this and 1999. And then that brings me to my point. You know, this is this along with 1999 is Prince's funkiest album of all time. And we all uh, are fans of Hang the guy's on. music. You're forget- what? You forget. What about New Power Soul? <laughs> I knew I missed something. <laughs> I'm waiting for you. Come on. Come on. Yeah, literally, come, come on. Come on. <laughs> but um, the fans will hate me, and you guys will, will say what you will, but I- I'm going to revert. I'm not coming out of rating retirement. I can't rate it. I can't rate it. I was about to give it away, but I can't. All I'm going to say is this, uh, along with 1999, is the funkiest album, back-to-back, wall-to-wall. I mean, those two albums, they go hand-in-hand. And isn't there... Is there some truth to the the memory that I have of reading somewhere that one of Prince's goals for this album was because he'd done he'd done 1999, which is this real cold, funky album, uh, basically one man band. Then then he went through the you know the revolution period where so the next three albums were band collaborations in some way, and then Sign of the Times was still some hangover from that, and so it's almost like right now I want to get back to doing my one man band stuff. Mm. And I've learned so much more since 82, like in terms of the, well, I don't know if you'd say that he has, but it's a different character, isn't it? Like the Prince of 1982 and the Prince of 1987, 88. It's, it's like, it's, it's a different character. Yeah. He's more evolved. It's more sophisticated. Yeah. It's thicker. It's deeper. Everything's just darker, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to say better, but it's, it's just, it's, you know, he's evolved. He's changed. Well, what's better? Is that a better shirt that you're wearing? Is that a substandard shirt you're wearing, Toe <laughs> Oh, that shirt looks very. Shirt. That's <laughs> Look, that hypercolor shirt wait a looks dated. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a different, it's a different character. Is that, like, is it better than those pants you're wearing, Toe Jam? <laughs> I'm not wearing any pants, MC. <laughs> oh, you idiots. So, um. You know what we didn't talk about at all at the start of this show? Because we went straight into the tracks. Was all the. You know, there's a million stories about the Black Album, about who and why and how and what. But the one that I tend to believe is Sign of the Times got mostly good reviews, but then it also got reviews saying that he'd he'd lost the funk and he's lost his black audience and he's too pop. And I think Nelson George might have said something along those lines. And this album was to prove that wrong. And I, I tend to believe that one. Because we all know, you know, some of his best work is is done, you know, when he's trying to prove something like that. And, you know, MC just said, this is the funkiest album ever by this guy. So that's why I tend to think, yes, he was trying to prove something. And he did. You know, I don't think he'd just come up with this just out of nowhere with no motivation. That's what I think. Anyone? Yeah, look, I think it's certainly plausible. But that seems to be the main consensus, you know, of what people believe. And that's that's what I tend to believe yeah yeah i mean from 78 onwards it was a every album we've spoken about this before evolved expanded was completely different it just it was an incredible um evolutionary period in this guy's 
career and work. And I think after Sign of the Times, he recorded this, right? And even though it wasn't officially released at the time, this was a further evolution because it was dark funk. It was grittier. It was more clinical in some cases, but it was just this whole other side of Prince that we, you kind of, you got sneak peeks that, that potentially he was, he was able to, to do this sort of material and, and get away with it, but he really did it. He, he did it with the Black Album. And, you know, primarily a one-man band other than some drumming from Sheila Ree and, and a lot of classic horn lines from Atlanta Bliss and um, Eric Leeds. But, yeah, I think there's something to that, Captain, because I, I, for one, still see it as an evolution, but it's also like he's got something to prove. Um, but, at the, but at the same time, like, you know, it was kind of unlisted on the record company listing. And, you know, when the when the track, like, Lagrina opens up, he's like, oh... You know, in that spoken part, he's saying, oh, you found me and good and stuff. So it, it seems like when he was recording the album, he, it, the, the intention was it was going to be this anonymous thing right, right, right from the start. So like, you know, if it wasn't withdrawn, it was going to be released. I don't know how much he was going to promote it or if there was going to be any singles, any videos, any tours, any, like, I, I know he was trying to prove something, but how low key or how, you know, mainstream was this? I don't, I don't think he was, I think he put it out anonymously, just like he did the Madhouse albums. So they would be reviewed, you know, not as a Prince album. You know, he, but like, if if the Black album got put out, it could have, at the time, it could have got killer reviews, and then he could have went, huh, suck it. I still got it. All you super critics. True, but like, it's gonna be self-evident, like, halfway listening through it, this is a Prince album. Like, if you, if you bought it, you did know it's almost like like nowadays he's got the internet, but it's like in those days they didn't have that outlet. So Prince has this what he may consider to be not as like more jammy, less proper songs, so to speak. But he, he wants to he he he, is, he doesn't have an outlet for it other than releasing it as an album. But then maybe he doesn't feel that it's as quality to put it out as the big new Prince album. So maybe the idea was to put it out anonymously, as like you know, here's some here's some scraps, enjoy them. <laughs> Well, it's just like the time stuff. The time was his yeah, that's, it's other more way for to get, the get tracks out. Yeah. But the funny thing was, I mean, critics were saying since since like 1999, like 1982, oh, he's gone to all the wide audience. And they said that pretty much every album. And I guess by 1987, he'd finally got sick of hearing it, and he decided to do something about it. But but he's he's playing furiously. He's having a good time. It's it's so listenable and it stands up so well today. Like it's so strong. Like, I keep coming back to how strong this material is. I don't find it. You know, it's like sign sign of the times. Black album, love sexy. You can consider them a trio, like a the trio of um, Prince's genius. Really, I mean, sure, Purple Rain and and around around the world in the day and Parade. Um, well, there are separate threes, but mm. this. No, I was saying, I was saying this to Tojem before. Um, 80, you know, late 86, 87, 88 was the absolute peak for me. N- number one. Out of the several, just lined up. out of the several peaks, that, you know, three year was just the best. Yeah. You know, there was just, you know, songs, it, songs coming out of him every day. The number of, you know, creativity, the ideas that were coming out of his brain over that time period were just unbelievable. And, and the great I mean, thing about... But, but you've got Sign of the Times, Black Album, Love Sexy. But then also, you've got the uh, all the albums recorded which weren't released. There was Crystal Ball, there was Dream Factory, there was The Flesh, there was all this other stuff which didn't come out. Yeah. The number of tracks that 
he did in these couple of years is just yeah blows your mind. And you've got Madhouse, and All you've of, got yeah, two Madhouse Jill, albums, Jill, Jill, Jones. Jill Jones. You've got the live, you know, live oh. stuff happening. Um, Meal, Shilly, Shilly's <laughs> album, oh, everything. It's just boggles the mind. It does. It really does. And you've got the plus, live arrangements. You've got the stuff plus, that we haven't heard. The yeah, the movie as well. Like he's working on so much stuff. And you know, the Black Album to me also. The more and more I've been listening to it recently for this review, it cemented the playful aspect of Prince. You know, I mentioned it a couple of times in my review, but it, I really have overthinking everything. He's just going with it. It, it sounds like although the, some of these songs would have been, some of the individual parts may have been labored over, you still get that really fresh and funky feeling from him. And, and uh, it's just great to hear, you know. It just, what can you say about it other than it's really pleasurable to listen to, it, it's funky as, as, as heck. And, when I was, I'm not going to rate it, obviously, but I'm, I'd be tempted to give this a straight 10 if I was just based on the fact that everything about it, you think about the hype, the mystery, the songs themselves, overwhelmingly funk-based. I mean, it's not a lie to say this album is one of the most bootlegged albums ever. No, well, it is, yeah, for sure. I mean, less, sure. So, less so now that it's been released in 94, but for that, well, seven years, it was, you know, it was, it was up there in the top top few i'd have to say the the only thing that i find strange about this is that none of the material is really ever played live and very rarely it has been so what that says i don't know but oh well there's uh, a million other reasons for that as well sure sure exactly yeah so all right that brings us to the conclusion of our black album review what else can we say what kind of fuck ending is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 